Section 1 of The Spirit of Place and Other Essays. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. The Spirit of Place and Other Essays by Alice Maynell. The Spirit of Place. With mimicry, with praises, with echoes, or with answers, the poets have all but outsung the bells. The inarticulate bell has found too much interpretation, too many rhymes professing to close with her inaccessible utterance, and to agree with her remote tongue. The bell, like the bird, is a musician pestered with literature. To the bell, moreover, men do actual violence. You cannot shake together a nightingale's notes, or strike or drive them into haste, nor can you make a lark toll for you, with intervals to suit your turn, whereas wedding bells are compelled to seem gay by mere movement and hustling. I have known some grim bells, with not a single joyous note in the whole peal, so forced to hurry for a human festival, with their harshness made light of, as though the Bishop of Hereford had again been forced to dance in his boots by a merry highwayman. The clock is an inexorable but less arbitrary player than the bell-ringer, and the chimes await their appointed time to fly, wild prisoners, by twos or threes or in greater companies. Fugitives, one or twelve, taking wing. They are sudden, they are brief, they are gone. They are delivered from the close hands of this actual present. Not in vain is the sudden upper door opened against the sky. They are away, hours of the past of all unfamiliar bells those which seem to hold the memory most surely after but one hearing are bells of an unseen cathedral of france where one has arrived by night they are no more to be forgotten than the bells of Perisval. they mingle with the sound of feet in unknown streets they are the voices of an unknown tower they are loud in their own language the spirit of place which is to be seen in the shapes of the fields in the manner of the crops to be felt in a prevalent wind, breathed in the breath of the earth, overheard in a far street cry, or in the tinkle of some blacksmith, calls out and peals in the cathedral bells. It speaks its local tongue remotely, steadfastly, largely, clamorously, loudly, and greatly by these voices. You hear the sound in its dignity, and you know how familiar, how childlike, how lifelong it is in the ears of the people. The bells are strange, and you know how homely they must be. Their utterances are, as it were, the classics of a dialect. Spirit of Place It is for this we travel, to surprise its subtlety, and where it is a strong and dominant angel, that place, seen once, abides entire in the memory with all its own accidents, its habits, its breath, its name. It is recalled all a lifetime, having been perceived a week, and is not scattered but abides, one living body of remembrance. The untraveled spirit of place, not to be pursued, for it never flies, but always to be discovered, never absent without variation, lurks in the byways and rules over the towers, indestructible and indescribable unity. It awaits us always in its ancient and eager freshness, it is sweet and nimble within its immemorial boundaries, but it never crosses them. 
long white roads outside have mere suggestions of it and prophecies they give promise not of its coming for it abides but of a new and singular and unforeseen goal for our present pilgrimage and of an intimacy to be made was ever journey too hard or too long that had to pay such a visit and if by good fortune it is a child who is the pilgrim the spirit of place gives him a peculiar welcome for antiquity and the conceiver of antiquity who is only a child know one another nor is there a more delicate perceiver of locality than a child he is well used to words and voices that he does not understand and this is a condition of his simplicity and when those unknown words are bells loud in the night they are to him as homely and as old as lullabies if especially in england we make rough and reluctant bells go in gay measures when we whip them to run down the scale to ring in a wedding bells that would step to quite another and less agile march with a better grace there are belfries that hold far sweeter companies if there is no music within italian churches there is a most curious local immemorial music in many a campanile on the heights their way is for the ringers to play a tune on the festivals and the tunes are not hymn tunes or popular melodies but proper bell tunes made for bells doubtless they were made in times better versed than ours in the subdivisions of the arts and better able to understand the strength that lies ready in the mere little submission to the means of a little art and to the limits nay the very embarrassments of those means if it were but possible to give here a real bell tune which cannot be for those melodies are rather long the reader would understand how some village musician of the past used his narrow means as a composer for the bells with what freshness completeness significance fancy and what effect of liberty these hamlet bells are the sweetest as to their own voices in the world then i speak of their antiquity i use the word relatively the belfries are no older than the sixteenth or seventeenth century the time when italy seems to have been generally rebuilt but needless to say this is antiquity for music especially in italy at that time they must have had foundries for bells of tender voices and pure warm light and golden throats precisely tuned the hounds of theseus had not a more just scale tuned in appeal than a north italian belfry holds in leash but it does not send them out in a mere scale it touches them in the order of the game of a charming melody of all cheerful sounds made by man this is by far the most light-hearted you do not hear it from the great churches giotto's colored tower of florence that carries the bells for santa maria del fiore and brunelleschi's silent dome does not ring more than four contralto notes tuned with sweetness depth and dignity and swinging one musical phrase which softly fills the country the village belfry it is that grows so fantastic and has such nimble bells obviously it stands alone with its own village and can therefore hear its own tune from beginning to end there are no other bells in earshot other such dovecote doors are suddenly set open to the cloud on a festa morning to let fly those soft-voiced flocks and the nearest is behind one of many mountains and our local tune is uninterrupted 
doubtless this is why the little sequestered art of composing melodies for bells charming division of an art having its own ends and means and keeping its own wings for unfolding by law dwells in these solitary places no tunes in a town would get this hearing or would be made clear to the end of their frolic amid such a wide and lofty silence nor does every inner village of italy hold a bell tune of its own the custom is ligurian nowhere so much as in genoa does the nervous tourist complain of church bells in the morning and in fact he is made to hear an honest rout of them betimes but the nervous tourist has not perhaps the sense of place and the genius of place does not signal to him to go and find it among innumerable hills where one by one one by one the belfries stand and play their tunes variable are those lonely melodies having a differing gaiety for the festivals and a pitiful air is played for the burial of a villager as for the poets there is but one among so many of their bells that seem to toll with a spiritual music so loud as to be unforgotten when the mind goes up a little higher than the earth to listen in thought to earth's untethered sounds this is milton's curfew that sways across one of the greatest of all the seashores of poetry the wide watered end of section one